Welcome to the Heroin TV Podcast. Today is February 2nd, 2011, and this is our eighth episode. Hi. Uh, so can you believe now we're doing eight podcasts? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we're getting into routine here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, today we are going to talk about Downton Abbey which is a British series uh, that was written and created by Julian Fellows, and uh, it recently showed on PBS to American audiences via Masterpiece. Now, and- is that the same name of the girl from um, Anna Green Gables? What do you mean? Julianne Fellows. <laughs> Julian Fellows is a boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he's a writer. Oh. Uh, and, you know, creator. He, he wrote Gosford Park. I did think it was kind of Gosfordy Parky now that I <laughs> that. Yeah, no, Megan Fellows, for everybody who's not. Oh. Is geez. the one who plays Andrew. His wife. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> 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 no, Verdeska. <laughs> Just kidding. Anna Gables is not married to the creator okay, of, fine. <laughs> of, Down, of Downton Abbey. But maybe in your imagination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you just have Anna Green Gables on the brain. So, yeah. Uh, why not have yeah. on the brain? <laughs> so, uh, Downton Abbey, uh, it's nothing like Anna Green Gables, although the time period seems a little bit similar. Uh, because it's that it's sort of that period where modernity is just starting. Mm. Uh, you know, it's the, the show, and, and we should warn you if you have not watched it yet, this is going to get spoilery. So if you haven't watched it, then you should go ahead and rent it on DVD, or you can watch it free online on the PBS.org site. Please do that before you listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Downton Abbey is named for the English estate which uh, around which it revolves, and it's set in the Edwardian period, which we get the time period right from the beginning because the very first episode, the Titanic sinks, mm, yeah. and that happened in April of 1912, and so uh, we sort of are in this in-between, sort of tension between, like, Modern things like, uh, you know, tele- telegraphs and uh, steam engines and phone lines, and then you've got like this old-fashioned class system and you know clothing and all this this stuff happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which I I thought the tension between the old and the new I thought was really interesting, uh, and we sort of have. You know, people wanting to try new things like Sybil, the little suffragette, and then oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you have sort of Mary, who's sort of torn between sort of wishing to be independent and the requirements of you know the status of women at that time and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Although, even though it's happening in the 20th century, it reminded me a lot of Jane Austen because of the entail stuff. What did you think of that, Francesca? Yeah, I thought well, thing with seeing all the girls, like in the family, and is that what you mean? How they can't inherit 
Right. The girls can't inherit. Yeah. So I thought that that was, you know, there's like all girls in the family and they have this huge, you know, estate, but they have to marry someone with money to get money. It was like they don't have any of anything of their own. Right, right. And in fact, Mary was supposed to um, actually get married to the cousin who's who is the heir because yeah. uh, when the Titanic sinks, the the heir and his son are both killed, mm-hmm. uh, and Mary was supposed to marry Patrick, um, the son of the heir. And so the way that they were sort of going to deal with the problem of the entail, where the women can't inherit, is that that you know the the girl heir would marry the boy heir. Yeah. <laughs> He's a distant relative, and that way you sort of keep it in the family. And that's what they tried to do in Pride of Prejudice. Remember when they bring Mr. Collins in? Yeah. They try to marry Mr. Collins off, right, to well, one of the daughters. Because yeah. what they're trying to do is, like, make provisions for the girl who can't inherit. Yeah. Which was I thought was interesting because I felt like uh, – Mary was going to marry Patrick, or so they so they made it seem, and and she wasn't really sad when he died. So you can tell it wasn't like a a love connection. And then when the new guy comes along, she was like, "No, I'm not going to marry him." I don't know. It just seemed like what changed. Yeah, I think that's actually a good question. So let's actually get into part one and the way that that all works because. You get this re- reveal that she's supposed to marry Patrick, and then as soon as you see Mary, she doesn't seem at all upset and says it wasn't a real engagement, mm. and it seemed like she was keeping him sort of in her back pocket in, in case nothing better came along, and I think she even says that at some point. Mm. Uh, so I think with that is that she sort of was – that was a security blanket that she would marry him. Mm. Uh, but I don't think she, she was as sure as her parents were. Her okay. parents seem very sure about it, but I don't think Mary herself actually uh, was so sure about it. Oh, okay. That was sort yeah. of the way I interpreted it. And at first, you know, um, the character of Mary, what did you think of her at first? <laughs> um, I didn't like her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she just, like, seemed... Like, you didn't get any of her personality, and she was just, like, snobby. Yeah, but. she seemed sort of like a, a horrible person, but yeah. she's also very pretty and has nice hair. But then she sort of slowly kind of reveals, I thought... Personality. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the ways she does that is sort of... control what she can, you know, and not necessarily wanting to bow to everything that her parents tell her to do. So when the new guy comes in, even though it's very snobby of her, because what happens is, okay, we've got these heirs that are dead, and now they've got to go to the next closest male relative, who happens Mm -hmm. to be Robert's third cousin once removed. And his name is Matthew Crawley, and he's gasp a lawyer. And that's just horrific <laughs> because he works for, for a living not only that did you catch the part where it's like he's the son of a doctor <laughs> and they say that like being a doctor is the worst thing that anybody could ever be 
which is so funny because in the world we live in now, it's like your parents really would, love, prestigious. They yeah. would love for you to marry a, yeah. a lawyer or a doctor. But, uh, but this idea that people aren't, uh, you know, nobility doesn't work for a living mm-hmm. and it is, is a theme that goes throughout. And in this part two, that's when Maggie Smith gives her great quote, or actually it might have been in part one, and she says, what, what is a weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because she has no idea what a weekend is because she is a, a, you know, the Dowager Duchess and she's never had to work for a living. And so yeah. it never even occurred to her that there's a work week and a weekend. <laughs> yeah. And it's like makes you, it makes like, I mean, you're like, I never thought of that. Like, oh, there's people in the world that didn't ever know what a weekend was. You yeah. Know? Oh, that word was invented at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... It was revolutionary, I guess. And <laughs> yeah, and so so the the family is you know dealing with having this new guy come in, and he's very modern, and he doesn't really care about having servants, and mm-hmm. he's lived like sort of a simple life. And the the Earl wants the, him to marry Mary, mm-hmm. and uh, and then oh, and then the grandma wants to try to break the entail. That's the other thing. So we're dealing with this entail, and it's sort of like well. Are we going to make the best of it, or are we going to try to smash it? And the problem is that the legality of it is so tightly bound that uh, they sort of determine that they can't break it. Mm-hmm. For a while, like uh, Maggie Smith's character, the Dowager Duchess, like really tries to break it, or, mm-hmm. or you know, I mean, she tries to get information about breaking it, but um, but it. it Really, the Earl himself doesn't seem very enthusiastic about it because what that means is the whole point of the entail is that it keeps the estate intact. And mm-hmm. if you were to separate the money from the estate, then the estate it would, would fall mean apart. nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, he sort of belongs to this school of thought where Downton Abbey is like his life, his mm-hmm. his you know world, and and he wants to protect it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and in fact. He, it's really it was interesting when you get revealed that his wife, who's actually American, did you catch that whole part where his wife come, came from American money and that's why he married her? I knew that she came from money and that's how he kept the state up, but I didn't realize she was American. Yeah, it's hard to tell because you know in that period the American accent is a little bit um, sounds a little bit British, but you can kind of tell if you, once you realize that you realize yeah. she doesn't have the same accent. Huh. She's, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, so kind, we can kind of think of this in the line of, um, you know, Age of Innocence, because this is like 12 years later, well, 14 years later after like maybe Age of Innocence is happening. Mm. So, you know, you've got these like rich Americans who, um, you know, maybe the the British nobility is going to look down on them, but if they really need money, then they might be willing to marry into them. <laughs> <laughs> like marry yeah, rich in, in Age of Innocence, at the end of it, the they had kind of broken that whole like aristocratic thing like oh you can only marry people that were from your same class and stuff like that right cause, that must have just been going on in America well I think it's yeah I think it's probably a lot easier in America for that to break but I think it also is sort of happening in this period too because it's just a lot happens in the first like twenty years of the 20th century. There's a lot of change that goes on. Yeah. You go from like nobody having phones in their house and 
strict social classes to, you know, there's a lot of chaos that happens. Then eventually, with the end of the show, World War One starts. And so that's going to shake stuff up, too. So, I don't know. I mean, it seems like in with the way that this Downton Abbey is uh, run is it's very seeped in tradition, so it doesn't... Uh, it's not as open to change, mm-hmm. but it still sort of has to deal with the changes that are going on around it. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that was interesting in – we haven't really actually talked about any of the servants, and they're a big part of the show mm-hmm. because in the first episode, you have this new valet or – do they call it valet? In, yeah. I always want to say valet. Yeah, they say valet. <laughs> they say valet. Okay, we'll, we'll go with the British pronunciation. And so uh, the new valet, Bates, comes, and uh, he's got this pronounced limp, and everybody's looking at him all dirty, like, you know, oh, he, he can't do his job properly, and and they're very, like, uh, it's not very PC in terms of handicaps. Uh, <laughs> <terms of> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we're, we sort of realized the way that he got his job when the – uh, Earl comes down and greets him and turns out they're old war buddies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sort of follow his story throughout, and he's sort of just extremely sympathetic, and you always, like, feel sorry for him. I know. Every time, <laughs> like, you just want to, like, cry for him the first part time you see him and, and everyone's being mean to him. And you're, yeah, it's like he just comes on screen and you're look. just like, poor thing. It's so yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so... Especially being mean to him are the lady's maid, O'Brien, who's evil. Totally. Uh, which we'll talk about her, that oh, later. Oh, my so God. skip ahead. And yeah. then Thomas the footman, who's also evil. Yes. And so they band together to do evil things. And one of the things Thomas does is, like, he knocks his cane out of the way when they're, like, standing up to receive the visitors because the Duke of Cro- um, Crowborough comes. And I know I'm mispronouncing that. Sorry, people. Just yell. <laughs> While you're listening to this. But the Duke comes. Do you remember that? And then mm-hmm. Bates falls while that's happening. And that's like yeah. a breach of decorum. And so terrible. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize it the first time that it was because uh, Thomas kind of kicks it. He like shoves the. Oh, yeah. You know, you so see that? He, I don't think I noticed it the first time. Oh, totally. He but like then kicks his crazy. cane out and then he doesn't just like fall. He like falls on his face in the gravel oh, with no hands. So like, terrible. Freaking it. it no, poor Bates. Yeah. And so then Bates like almost gets fired. But then the Earl decides, Lord Grantham decides, you know. I love that part. Yeah. We really learned that Robert is a good man. And that gets us the Earl's name in for Tosca. Who does he remind you of? <laughs> Alias his dad. Yes. It was so funny because Fertuska and I were discussing this before we were podcasting, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, you go, Robert, doesn't he remind you of blah, blah, blah? And oh, I'm I was like, like, yeah, doesn't he look by just that, like. You mean alias his dad? <laughs> I was like, Francesca, doesn't he remind you of Victor Garber? And Francesca's like, well, I don't know who that is, but if you mean, <laughs> if you mean, if he's down alias, then yeah. 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 So, yeah, he's basically the British spy daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes me love him even more because he reminds me of um, Victor Garber, which Hooper Duska doesn't know, but she loves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was just a really sweet moment. And it sets up the family that even though there are these really stark class differences, he's a good man, that Robert's a good man and that he's compassionate and he's 
willing to do the right thing. He, he yeah. wants to do the right thing. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but just that one scene with his uh, youngest daughter where she goes, you can't go into the study or the library or whatever because, like, the servant was having an interview. And he's like, you're <laughs> telling me that I can't go into my own study because my servant or whatever is interviewing for another job. And she's like, that's not it. And he's like, okay, and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's a good dad and he's... Yeah. He's pretty, uh, he's kind and stuff. So, yeah. So here, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about how much we like him and, uh, let's, we'll move on to part two because I think we've, uh, in part one, you've got the, the new, the new family come in. You know, there's sort of some, uh, tension and you've got this Duke. Oh, actually, you know what we forgot to talk about for Tosca? The Duke's forbidden affair with Thomas. Oh, yeah. Although I kind of like forget about the Duke, but I do, I, I don't remember him, but I remember that part. Uh, he was Thomas. the one that was like with Mary and they're sneaking through the servants' quarters. Yeah. No, I like, I remember what he did, but yeah. I kind of like blocked him on my memory. I don't remember what he looks like or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember like what he him. looks like either, but I'm sure he looked like a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sl- sleazy, slimy guy. But yeah, yeah so the Duke. It gets revealed when Thomas is like waiting on the Duke, whatever footmen do. He's doing his footmen business mm-hmm. and, or oh no, maybe he has to act as a valet for the Duke, I think, because they were like low on valets or something. Who knows what these British people do. So he's going to serve as his valet and then we learn that they like had some torrid affair in the past and that there were love letters exchanged. Mm-hmm. And Thomas tries to blackmail the Duke with the letters. But then it turns out that the Duke is really smart, and the reason why he was sneaking around the servants' quarters is because he was stealing back the letters, and so he can't get blackmailed. Mm-hmm. So you were sort of like happy to see Thomas like fooled because he's such he's so sleazy. But at the yeah. same time, you know the Duke's no prize either. So you know, yeah. But uh, but it's definitely interesting because. In period dramas, it's not that often that they actually show, like, a love story that's, you know, between gay men or anything. Mm -hmm. So I was, like, really happy to see a lot more uh, realistic in some ways, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of showing all kinds of people, you know. You're not just showing the upper class, you're showing servants, too, and you're not just showing, like, you know, the majority worldview you're also right. showing people well, and not only that it was like a a gay affair it was also a servant with yes, a duke. So exactly on both those levels on both those levels and so it, you just see pe- people breaking those um you know because the thing is the history books always tell you what the ideals were okay like the these were how people, this is how people were expected to act, right? And follow all these rules. But the fact is, people break rules all the time and they don't follow them. And so I like to see that, uh, people aren't just following along with what society is dictating to them because reality is more complicated than that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we're, we're a little bit scattered here, but we'll, there's just so much to talk about. <laughs> I just get it. We keep on getting excited. But uh, we'll move to part two now where in this one, you know, we get more of Matthew and his mom settling. And the mom was really kind of funny because she's very um, 
opinionated herself. And so she and uh, Maggie Smith kind of. Uh, yeah, they <laughs> have a really weird relationship. <laughs> yeah. So they're sort of settling in and they're meeting with the do- the town doctor and and she sort of, you know, she used to be a nurse. Matthew's mom did. And she wants to stick her nose in and she has a lot and of. And her husband was a doctor. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Her okay. husband was a doctor. Her husband was a doctor and she was a nurse, yeah. Okay. Because remember, Matthew is the son of a doctor. Ugh, poor Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's like the beginning of that sort of bristling relationship. And then Matthew and Lady Mary are being thrown together. And they are both like unhappy about that. And there is the most amazing speech, which I may have to like repeat in full because I don't know if you thought it was as funny as I did. They're at dinner, and Mary makes this speech about Andromeda and the sea monster. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and here, Brandy, we'll read this. I'll okay. be Mary, and you be Matthew. Okay. Okay. I've been studying the story of Andromeda. Do you know it? Why? Her father was King Cepheus, whose country was being ravaged by storms. And in the end, he decided the only way to appease the gods was to sacrifice his eldest daughter to a hideous sea monster. So they chained her, naked, to a rock. (laughs) But the sea monster didn't get her, did he? No, just when it seemed he was the only solution to her father's problems, she was rescued. By Perseus? That's right. Perseus, son of a god. Rather more fitting, wouldn't you say? Well, that depends. I'd have to know more about the princess and the sea monster in question. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so great. Like, Matthew definitely shows himself to sort of be a worthy opponent for her. Yeah, I love the way he, like, plays along with her. Yeah. He's willing, he totally knows, he's not being made a fool of, you know, he knows exactly what she's uh, hinting at here with yeah. the whole analogy, and, <laughs> and you know, he just sort of asks, well, I'd have to know more about the princess sea monster, and so you, they, you sort of set up that even though they hate each other, they're probably going to fall desperately in love. Um, <laughs> that's always how it is. Exactly. Exactly. We've watched television before. We've watched In fact, it. she should be dating his friend or something, and he's <laughs> what she hates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe if Matthew had, like, an enemy, you know, who uh, who pretended to be really charming, but really yeah. evil black heart underneath. Yeah. Yeah, that's what should be happening. So so that was just, the, you know, it was kind of fun. You start to see, you know, Mary's being really cruel, but at the same time, um She's kind of fun to watch. Like, I kind of just loved her anyways. Yeah. Uh, she sort of reminded me of, um, you know, Mary Crawford in the uh, Mansfield Park, in Mansfield Park by, J- by Jane Austen. Yeah. She's like the, the mean girl um, sister of the, like, seducer guy. Oh. And I always loved her so much more than Fanny Price because she <laughs> just had so much personality and, like, sass and she just, like, has tells her opinions as they are and... So I just kind of liked, you know, sometimes I well, like And I did think it was sweet how, um, y- you know, they're the, um, the like head housekeeper guy. Remember when he has a conversation with her and he says that uh, they have their favorites and like she's his. Oh, yeah. I thought that was sweet. So it, it makes you so think, sweet. too, there's more to her than, you know. We yeah, first. and there are, like, little scenes kind of sprinkled in occasionally that show that, um, but it's just she's very, you can tell she's somebody who really, um, she's very strong, and she wants to 
put up a certain image of herself mm-hmm. and she's kind of Blair Waldorfy that way, although she's not at like a schemer in the same way. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, and, and the Mister Carson relationship the two that the two have is really sweet and it's kind of paid off at the very end, which we'll get to. So so we've got that whole thing going on, and then the it gets even more intense because visiting at this dinner, they have this guy, Evelyn Napier, who's the wealthy son and heir to a Viscount, and he gets invited for a fox hunt, and he brings this guy who works for the Turkish embassy. Yeah, and they all think he's going to be like... <laughs> horrible looking and <laughs> well Mary says like some really xenophobic terrible things about like yeah. it, uh, you know terrible uh, generalizations about foreigners and yeah. you know, clearly some racist thoughts and then Kamal Pamuk shows up and he's like a heartthrob <laughs> yeah and everyone's like oh. <laughs> oh, <soon>. <laughs> yeah so she immediately forgets about Napier which is really sad because he was like sweet yeah uh, I did think that was sad. and I thought he really liked her, and later you kind of get proved that he's a good person. Yeah. And he I reveals like he's not the one who told the secret. So yeah. so she gets totally – Mary gets totally taken in by Pamuk's charms because he's, like, all sexy and stuff. And so at night, Pamuk shows up in her room mm-hmm. and wants her t- to be her lover. <laughs> yeah, and I kept thinking, what's his angle? Because I couldn't understand why. Like, remember when he was with the um, – that one servant that's gay. And I oh, felt like he was yeah. taking him to to make a move. So then when he really? did, he could, like, use him. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't really seen it that way. I saw it more as, like, a legally blonde moment. He's not gay. He's just European. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like, he's a very stylish, like, um, you know, handsome man. But... Uh, and he's probably maybe he's had that this mistake happen before. <laughs> maybe. And so but, I mean he definitely I used the situation to his advantage. Oh, to get oh yeah, yeah, hair. that's true. Yeah. And I was thinking he didn't seem like such a nice guy because of that. Because he uses it to his advantage to find out where Mary's room is mm-hmm. so that he can go visit her at night. So he's being like very kind of stealthy and sneaky about things and mm-hmm. and uh yeah. And at first I thought like maybe he was gonna force himself on her. But then it turns out that Mary sort of is completely into it. Yeah. She had all her guards up. But then, especially at the end. uh, She talks about it. Yeah. And how heartbroken she is about it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up, you know, I guess they they actually have sex. But he dies at some point during that night (laughs) when they're having sex. Like, he just drops dead. It's like, um, okay, that's really bad luck. So, (laughs) so then, (laughs) Mary has a dead guy in her room and she can't, like, you know, tell people because that would be so way too scandalous. And so her mom and, did did her sister help too? No. She's her maid. The, remember how the maid, like, later one of the maids we learned saw it? And she's like all freaked out about it, but I guess Edith had to have, had to help too because doesn't Edith Edith knows about it? And that's she, because the maid she oh her sister's so evil. No, she has her good maid, the one who likes Mister Bates, 
help her. Oh, and her right. Mother. The blonde, the only the blonde two maid and the mom. Okay. That she confides in. And then that w- maid with the weird Daisy. accent. Yeah. Yeah. She sees it and her evil sister tricks her into telling her. And she's like, oh, oh right, right. Okay. Secret inside. You should tell me what you saw and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Daisy told Edith. Yes. Okay. And Edith, at first I felt sorry for Edith. I was like, oh, she's like the Jan Brady of the family. But then you learn she's evil. Yeah. And there's a lot of evil people in the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I understand being upset at her sister, but, like, sending that letter to the Turkish ambassador or whatever was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't believe she did that. But uh, I'd have to say Mary sure gets her back. <laughs> That's also true. I mean, they're, they clearly have a very terrible relationship and are yeah. cruel and mean. It's yeah. a good thing you would never do that to me, Franny. Yeah. <laughs> if you killed the Turkish ambassador, I would totally help you hide the body, and I would not <laughs> tell the Turkish embassy ever. <laughs> I would so keep that good. information to myself. Um, you know? you got to have a yeah. sister who helps you hide the body, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so you have this whole drama, which is all kind of shocking for a period drama. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I was like, what? It's like, what's really going on in this right show? <laughs> yeah, so so that was fun. And then the other thing that's happening in this episode is there's a whole subplot with Carson. How mm-hmm. he, um, how he's, like, possibly stealing from the family. Oh, yeah. But then it turns out that he's, like, taking the food because he's being blackmailed by that mean guy who shows up at the house. His name is Charles Griggs. He shows up, and he's just a total jerk, and he's all, like, pushing everybody around, and, like, I know this information. And the information was that, wasn't it that they were, like, in the theater together? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He was a performer. A circus, yeah. yeah. And so that was really interesting that that was such a, a scandalous secret you know like it it just shows you the class lines in that that somebody who is like he's like the head butler or i think it was what carson's job is Mm -hmm. and uh although maybe there's a different word for it sorry i'm not versed in my like that stuff but the idea that somebody like of his station um having that past would be sort of shocking it seems like Mm -hmm. you're supposed to have had a certain type of upbringing and certain background to have certain jobs. And because like member with some and of looking the- at him, you're like, really? <laughs> you never <laughs> see him as being in the circus. I know. I know. It's very shocking. It's so serious all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but, and that was another moment where Robert shows himself to be a good man because when he finds out about it, he totally, is understanding and he keeps Carson. He doesn't fire Carson. Mm-hmm. So that was like another sweet like moment of, you know, the boss being nice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that was good. And then the other thing for Annie was poor Mr. Bates in this episode. That's like all I say in every episode, poor Mr. Bates, <laughs> because remember he goes to oh, that yeah. shopkeeper to try to help his leg and he gets this weird contraption to put on his leg to help yeah. him. Oh my god, it gave me the shivers looking at it when he takes off his pant leg and you see. Ugh. I know. That so terrible. And it just shows you how much pressure was on him or in people in that day. I mean, like, he just had a limp. It's like the, these days that wouldn't be a problem for anybody. You know, it's not like right. he uh, 
had a, a, any major thing that would cause him to not be able to walk or do his his job, but and he still felt like he had to like fix it and torture yeah. him to. Yeah, yeah. There was so much pressure on him to be like a whole man of mm-hmm. you know the, any any type of like um, weakness, sort of seen almost as like a weakness of character um, mm-hmm. or just some kind of deficiency. And so it was really nice when uh, the head housekeeper she like yeah. realizes and she I like her and she yeah she was really good I forget her what her name is but the head housekeeper um she and she and Bates go off and like throw it in the water together and like kind of like mm-hmm. it was like a nice little moment um kind of showing that he he's he's just gonna try to accept him, himself for who he is mm-hmm. at this point and it seems like he's actually pretty fine with his leg as long as people don't mess with him yeah <laughs> he, he's capable of doing the work uh, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, I guess they, they don't, they're not very patient about mistakes or anything in this line of work. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Then the other cute thing for Annie was the redhead, um, made Gwen and her typewriter that yes. she gets, uh, and you realize that S- and Sybil helps her, is helping her to like get a job and stuff. Yeah. Cause she wants to be a secretary. And, and so that's like another interesting thing, like, you sort of see the class system there where doesn't she talk about how she was like a farmer's daughter and or something? Did she Maybe. say that? Maybe. I don't the know. other maid does that. Well, anyways, she, she kind of feels like, oh, I'm so, I should be lucky just to be a lady's maid. Like being a maid is better than, it's considered like higher class than being like a farmer's daughter or something. Like it's kind of like moving up in the world. Yeah. And, but she has ambition. She wants to be a secretary, which is even sort of would be, more independent would be more independent and would be uh you know and she doesn't think she's necessarily worthy of it and she sort of has low self-esteem but sybil kind of puffs her up and tells her she can do it (laughs) and sybil basically is the best daughter um (laughs) although we don't really get to know her until the second episode and then the last episode you sort of get Mm -hmm. to know her more um so i'm hoping like season two we'll get more sybil um, it's like, how did she turn out so nice with those two sisters? <laughs> how did she escape, like, the mean competitive thing? I don't know. Yeah. I guess she doesn't have to worry so much about things as the, the yeah. old daughter does. Yeah, she's not and like, get married yet. She's younger, so she's more in the ta- the cha- into the changing times, you know, yeah. less yeah. stuck in the ways of upbringing or something yeah that's true i mean i guess it makes sense for mary to be the way she is because there's a lot of pressure on mary as the oldest daughter and then for edith you know everybody ignores her and she has (laughs) (laughs) but we'll get into that um so okay so i don't have we missed anything else important from episode two no i don't think so okay so Let's move on to episode three, part three. I mean, there were differently organized, I'm sure, for people who watched it on DVD or in the British series, but the way PBS did it is it was four parts. So in part three, this is when, like, the fair comes to town, and the Dowager Duchess, she uh, decides to ask Matthew, who's the heir to to Downton to figure out how to dissolve the entail, pretty much disinheriting himself. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other thing that's interesting is that time is passing during these. Did you kind of catch how much time was passing during certain parts? It seemed like a bunch of time had passed at this point because Matthew was already 
sort of getting happy there. And so I don't know, like, how many months had passed. I think altogether over the over um, over the four parts, like, two years passes. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't realize that. Yeah, I know. The editing was really weird. Like, you weren't – there was a couple times where they did, like, a card and that said a month name. Yeah, but they just said a month name, I Yeah, it. so it was, like – They really, were, like, July. <laughs> it was really hard to follow, but I think by the time – because by the end, they're declaring war on Germany, I think it's been – I think it had been enough time. Well, so we know it started in when the Titanic sunk. And that's 1912. When was the war started? I thought it was 1914, although maybe I have the date wrong in terms of World War I because there are different ways, dates for the world to start uh, depending on which country you're in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, And it was just England and Germany. Yeah, so I don't know. I'll look that up. Because there's a mention in part four about the Archduke. Remember there's a whole thing with like the way World War One started was there's an assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand. Mm. Um, I don't know if you oh, remember yeah. your, remember your history <laughs> so long ago. You know me and my history. <laughs> <laughs> I should tell people I'm a historian, but I focus on ancient history. So this is uh, <laughs> this is current events for me. Yeah. Okay? This is uh, <laughs> last week. <laughs> this is Ferdinand. last week. I mean. <laughs> Okay, the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand is in June of 1914. So, yeah, it was the summer of 1914 at the end, and it's spring of 1912 in the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's been two years. So Over the, over the course of all, yeah. of all four parts. Yeah. yeah. So I think, like, when we start part three, that a bunch of time has passed because the fact that he seemed so surprised – and that other people felt so surprised that Violet was asking Matthew to do this because Matthew's a lawyer. And mm-hmm. so she's asking him to investigate, like, are there ways out of the entail? And the fact that he's sort of so upset about this, it seems like he wouldn't have been upset right at the beginning, you know? Mm-hmm. So it seems like a bunch of time has passed. Like, he's got, he and, he and Victor Garber, I mean, uh, <laughs> he and Robert have gotten really close, it seems like. And, you know, there's like a comfortable uh, factor there. And, and he and Mary have sort of developed a little bit more in their relationship in some yeah. ways. So, so like yeah. they're friends, kind of. They're becoming point. friends, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and actually, in this particular episode, they are sort of having some friend moments when they sort of have this interesting conversation. And Mary tells Matthew, you know, she's really she's still sad about you know her Turkish lover dying. <laughs> I'm sure. And then she's also just unhappy in general. And she says, but she doesn't say to him no, anything about no, that. No, no, but she's, but, but he can tell she's like sad, you know, as so he sort of like, he yeah. kind of talks to her. I think he sort of, he sees. She the, seemed the, sad. Like she was grieving for a long time. Yeah, exactly. For a while to snap out of it. Exactly. Yeah. And so they sort of have this conversation and I think Matthew like can, um, not necessarily relate to her situation since he's not in it, in it but he, he understands that uh, maybe he misjudged her, and because mm-hmm. she says, you know, women like me don't have a life. We choose clothes and pay calls and work for charity and do the season, but really we're stuck in a waiting room until we marry. And so I think for somebody like him, he sees that as terrible, mm-hmm. you know, as somebody who has an active life and works, and you know that I I think. Uh, I think he can sort of see that the, the position of somebody like her is is kind of a she's stuck in this. She can't really yeah do what she likes and 
I don't know. But they, they, and they kind of have a chemistry that seems to kind of develop too. Mm-hmm. Just the way they are. Yeah. Um, the way they argue and, uh, and stuff. So, yeah. And then the other thing that happens in this episode is that they start, there, these rumors start to circulate about what happened with Mary and the ambassador. Mm-hmm. And so they get, Cora gets a letter about this. Or no, the Duchess gets it and she tells Cora and Cora admits that, that the rumors are true. Mm-hmm. And so you have this sort of shocking scene where she actually tells, you know, Mary's mom tells the grandma what they did, that she helped her move the body and everything. Mm-hmm. And Violet's just totally horrified. Um, she can't believe it. And and then we also had, um, let's see. Ooh, I did is- really like that part, like the aspect of you see the family aspect there with the mom and the daughters. And sometimes when you when you see things back in the, those days, you think it's all like structure and obligation and uh, like – Right, like totally so, formal. Yeah. Without really- so it was nice how she was like, yeah, I'm not going to disown my daughter, if that's what you're thinking. You know, I thought that it yeah. was good to see that part of the, the relationship. Yeah. yeah, you see like the real affection in family, mm-hmm. despite the formality of the times. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and eventually, you know, Maggie Smith, even she sort of reveals to have that too. But at this point, she's sort of, uh, she's too shocked to really have any compassion yet. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, but she yeah. comes around. <laughs> yeah, she comes around later. Although you know, one thing we really haven't mentioned is that Maggie Smith just basically has all the best lines in the series, and <laughs> she keeps on just saying these hilarious things. And one of the things she says, she it's Violet versus the swivel chair, as I call it, <laughs> greatest battle of the 20th century. Um, so Maggie Smith is sitting in the chair trying to, like, you know, convince Matthew about fixing the entail and all that. And she's, like, she's sitting on a swivel chair. And she's, like, you know, what is this? Like, what, some kind of new contraption? And Matthew's, like, oh, it's not that old. You know, Thomas Jefferson invented it. And she's just, like, ugh. Why does every day involve a fight with an American? <laughs> because, you know, she has attitudes about that. And, and then Matthew's like, oh, no, I'll get, I'll get a different one. And she's all like, no, no, I'm a good sailor. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just so funny to think of something like a swivel chair being like yeah, an issue. shocking. Yeah. <laughs> but it's sort of a, it's sort of symbolic of a, the American uh, changes to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like she kind of blames the Americans for the changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, she, she she gets the great line. She gets to say all the things like, you know, I have plenty of friends I don't like and, <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I, maybe you remember this better than me. There's stuff going on during this episode with like Anna, the blonde nice aid, and Bates. They're sort you know, she really likes him and they things sort of develop between them. Yeah, and well I don't remember what in what parts things were in, but yeah, at one point she tells him that she loves him. Yeah, I think she also not told part four that she tells him she, oh, okay. she loves well maybe it was part three. But I know in maybe, this episode, maybe part three it's like he's bringing her remember when he brings her food when she's sick. Yeah, she's sick and he's all like helping her and stuff. 
and you we, we you just can tell she likes him from the very beginning. Yes, and then he says this cryptic thing of, I'm not capable of more. And I remember that happens in this one, and then later she sets out to, like, find out what that means. Yeah. You know, she does all this investigation. But so in this one, though, it's sort of established that they like each other, but then he kind of pulls back. And he always tells her, you should not like me. You should yeah, like you shouldn't like, like me. Else. Yeah. yeah, it's like, why, Mr. Bates? You're so perfect. We like you. But <laughs> she doesn't really um, know what, what exactly is going on there. So there's that whole romance going on, and they're sort of like the good people in the story. And then the other thing is that Sybil, we start to learn about her sort of political leanings. And how she goes she gets a new chauffeur well the family does and it turns out he's an irish socialist <laughs> and uh and i love him mm-hmm. <laughs> did the actor kind of remind you though a little bit of that guy from um entourage a tiny bit oh like, the little redhead guy yeah not really but uh just a tiny bit <laughs> kind of like it, like how you know he's in the notebook when he's in the notebook and he's the friend of um ryan gosling's friend he's oh, a. I don't remember him in that oh yeah remember how like ali and um and noah are when they're like young in the flashbacks in the notebook they have noah has a friend who's the one who actually like introduces them because um noah was like dating a girl who's friends with ali at that time and when they have the whole ferris wheel scene huh i didn't realize that was him or i don't oh, remember okay. him yeah that's crazy. So I don't know. I think I recently watched The Notebook again, like mm. a couple months ago. So maybe it, I kind of had his face in my mind, which yeah. is because you know, I don't watch the Entourage anymore. Like I haven't watched it in years and years, but I think I sort of had that. Mm. Um, I think his character's name in Entourage is E, in case anyone has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but I don't know. He, he, the actor was just uh, pretty adorable, cuter than that guy, I thought. But uh He's all, like, got these radical ideas, and he and Sybil sort of have some conversations, and you sort of get a sense of the crazy things that are happening in the country at this time, um, that women are campaigning for the vote is one of them, and then there's also other stuff. So uh, we sort of get a image of outside of the house with, with that relationship, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, and then there's also this thing where Thomas is stealing wine, Mm-hmm. And, like, what's his name? Bates sees it, but doesn't really see it, and so he doesn't, like, say anything. But that's sort of hanging over, that there's somebody might get in trouble about this wine being stolen. Mm-hmm. And Thomas is, like, kind of plotting and doing evil things behind the scenes. but To turn the tables. And- yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned, because it's just sort of a small plot point throughout, is that... The frightful maid, Daisy, the one that's always so scared all the time, she mm-hmm. has a crush on Thomas. Yes. And she has no idea that he's gay. And even Mrs. Patmore, like, tries to. Yeah. She, like, laughs at her. <laughs> like, oh, no, he's not for you. He's not for you. And, and she doesn't get it. Like, Daisy's like, what do you mean? Like, he's too good for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, no. Yeah. So she sort of, and it's so sad because this other sweet footman who's nicer yeah. named William like, it totally has a crush on Daisy, but Daisy yeah. doesn't even see him because she has such a big crush on Thomas, which Although is so weird. Although we do see in the last episode 
there might be some good things happening with them. Yes, yes. (laughs) But that's sort of like developing throughout, like where Thomas does mean things to William just to be spiteful, and he wants Daisy to like him just to be spiteful, you know? And so that's sort of going on in the background. Yeah. And then there was also, in that episode, we had the... um, the flower competition, the, like, gardening competition. Mm. And Matthew's mom kept on, like, basically telling (laughs) (laughs) the Duchess, that um, Maggie Smith's character, that the only reason why her flowers win is because nobody, like, would... It's because it's fixed, and, like, no one can really vote on the Nobody can vote against it because, like, she wins because she wants to win, you know? Yeah. And so, finally, at the very end, she feels bad, she feels guilty, and she, instead of reading her own name yeah. off of the ballot, Violet actually, like, gives it to the other guy, who's, yeah. like, been working really hard, and his roses are really the best, or whatever kind of yeah. flowers they were are really the best. <laughs> well, and I think that you can tell that she does have a lot of, take, have a lot of pride for, and so yeah. she probably really didn't even look at anybody else's flowers, and she was like, like mine are the best. Mine are the best. And, um... <laughs> I deserve it. And so then it it seemed like she did kind of like come around and it was sweet that she was like trying to do the right thing and yeah, maybe gave into the pressure a little. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that was, that was fun little moment. And you sort of see the strength of character of, you know, Mrs. Crawley, you know, Matthew's mom that she sort of is willing to, you know, stick up for this, you know, guy, yeah, and, and they were like, "Oh, that's that is sweet of you." She's like, "It's not me. <laughs> it was the votes." Like she still can't, you know, yeah, like, can't admit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She tries to pretend like, like There's, she uh, still the votes all yeah, along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was that was cute. And this was the episode that actually what you were talking about before, where um, Daisy tells Edith or whatever, had happened. Mm. Right? Or no? That was what? a different episode. The part where Daisy tells Edith about the dead body, does that happen oh, in this oh. episode, or is that earlier? Oh, I don't I'm know. Sure. Well, we'll move on. Okay, anything else we want to talk about in with those plot points? Um. Well, I mean, th- something that was just kind of started and ended was the, you know, the head housemaid? Is that in this oh, one? Yeah, yeah. Where she kind of has oh, a love oh, thing, and that was sad. Uh, that was so sad. So it turns out that she, and I I have her name somewhere, because I wrote down all of the characters, but I never see it anywhere when I... But she okay. had um, kind of had, like, I guess he loved her or something, or maybe proposed to her when she was younger. Yeah. And she was like, no wanted to she she sort of wanted thing. to go see the world and like you know i think her name is mrs hughes okay she must be mrs hughes because i can't think of another one who is no she can't be married so she's not a mrs Ugh, wish i would i had her name written down hmm. because anyway sorry go on she sort of meets up with her old lover, who was this mm-hmm. farmer who had asked her to marry him. And now, so since she turned him down, he married some other girl, and the girl died. Like years mm-hmm. later, they had sort of a long marriage, and now he's going to ask again. Yeah, and so you kind of thought sweet. maybe she would go <laughs> off with him. Yeah, and then she do- doesn't. Yeah, and I thought that made sense because for her character, because you know it seems like she sort of committed herself to this other life and. 
it was sweet it'd be to hard see to her. transition back like i think she's sort yeah. of with everything the choices she has, has made have changed her and she's not the same but yeah it was really sweet and it shows you you know again we're getting the perspective of characters that wouldn't normally get much of a story mm-hmm. in in a period drama like this so it was nice to see you know she has this date where they go to the fair and he you know and she she tells Carson about it and the way she tells Carson about it is very sweet and mm-hmm. the way she talks about the man and how how nice he was and it's yeah. just yeah it it just it's it was it was a good story and uh, so that was good anything else for that one Mm, no. Okay, then let's talk about the finale now because that was like the only one that I actually took detailed notes on, and I was just like taking this whole time about how amazing everything was because the finale was so good. <laughs> I thought, like, so many things happened in part four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy. So okay, let's see. We'll kind of just start with this, um, maybe with the Sybil and the chauffeur story because. Um, that was really interesting. So Sybil is sort of spending more time with the chauffeur and trying to go out to suffragette rallies and stuff. And she gets in trouble and is told she's not allowed to go anymore. But mm-hmm. then she tricks the chauffeur into taking her um, for like something political like uh, I they were I don't know what they were going to do. But uh, she sort of tricked him. And then they end up in the middle of this riot. Yeah. And it start, things start to get violent. And luckily, Matthew ends up showing up. And I thought it was really funny because, like, Matthew and, and the guy, there's, like, this random guy who's being a jerk. And um, and the guy's like, what's your problem? And he's like, my problem is you. And then it's like, punch. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so there was, you know, some some punching, some fisticuffs. And Sybil ends up getting hurt in the in the, you know, crossfire of it she gets like kind of thrown to the ground and her head is like bleeding Mm -hmm. so uh you know matthew's mom is sent in to help her and blah 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 and sybil kind of maybe develops a little bit of a crush on matthew yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like you know marianne gets a crush on um willoughby when he saves her or whatever yeah so yeah, it was it was like kind of romantic. But then, uh, <laughs> and not only was that cute, what was cute was then Mary sees that and doesn't like yeah, it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and then it was also sweet because the chauffeur is really really worried about her. Yeah. And um and when like Matthew or I forget who was talking to about it, but he says this great line. He says, "I may be a socialist, but I'm not a lunatic." <laughs> Yeah, because they were like, what were you thinking? Yeah, and, he, and you could like, tell that he would never have. He had not, yeah, because Sybil had kind of tricked him. Yeah, yeah, and then I think Mary, I think it was Mary who's talking to because Mary's like, I don't think father will know the difference. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was sweet how Mary actually ends up standing up for him. Yeah. Because Sybil really was just kind of hurt. And yeah, Mary. She was kind of out of it. And so yeah. Mary stood up for, I think his name is Branson, stood mm-hmm. up for the Irish chauffeur. And so that was good. Yeah. And so in the end, I think it will, like, the dad was really mad, but then I think in the end it'll turn out okay for the chauffeur, although things might get complicated because it seems like he and Sybil maybe have some feelings for each other, or at Mm -hmm. least that the chauffeur has a crush on her. (laughs) So, you know, that can't end well. I don't know. We'll see how that develops. 
And then, okay, so then the other thing that's going on is you get, well, okay, first of all, there's the most hilarious scene ever where the Lord and Lady Grantham are like in bed, which, by the way, it's adorable. They share, they share um, a bed. Mm-hmm. And because even the daughter says something, like, that's really unusual. <laughs> they really love each other, and so they sort of break convention by actually sharing a bed. And that was cute. But then the amazing thing is they're kind of talking Mary, 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 Mary. And then finally they're like, poor Edith. We never seem to talk about her. <laughs> and don't they say something mean about how she's ugly or something? They said they like, yeah, I don't remember what they say after. <laughs> they're basically like dismiss it. Like, yeah, it's too bad. We don't care about her. Yeah. <laughs> and so you got to kind of feel. So I'm like, oh, poor Edith. You know, even her parents know they don't care about her. And so you're sort of feeling bad for Edith. And then you're sort of feeling happy because she's, um, she kind of. Uh, there's a guy that's starting to call on Mary. He's sort of an older guy. Mm-hmm. And Mary's not interested. And so Edith swoops in and she starts yeah. like going out on drives with this new guy. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, okay, well, that's good. I mean, it's sort of like she did sort of swoop in, but at the same time, it's not like Mary wanted that guy. And so you're sort of happy that maybe she has marriage prospects. You know, maybe yeah. her having marriage prospects will make her be like less of a bitch. But then, and, and there was even a really cute line where, um, like, the guy comes to pick her up the second time, and he's like, oh, do you want to go to a concert? And and um, and she's like, yes, yes. And the dad, like, kind of looks at her, and he's like, oh, <laughs> so you, like, ask what kind of concert it is first? <laughs> like, yeah. he's a little bit, like, she's a bit desperate. <laughs> she's yeah. very much, like, anything any guy ever wants to do. Oh, yes, yes, I want to do that. <laughs> um, and it's like, uh, okay. So, you know, but she clearly likes this guy. Um, you know, how much of it is desperation to be married and how much of it is actually liking this particular guy? Who knows? But, uh, you know, she seems to have some feelings. And that's going on. But then you have these reveals of the sister drama. So, I don't know, Brady, maybe you can explain because I feel like I'm talking too much. What happens with the, with the sisters? Well, so when they're in uh, some other town the the Turkish guy's friend, or, you know, the right, guy. Right, Napier, the guy who brought the Turkish Napier, guy. yeah, call, kind of calls on Mary, and we learn that he had, since since their kind of failed romance thing, right. he has been engaged, but then it's called off or something, right? Yeah. And so they're just talking, and then he actually, it seems like he really does care about her, because he's like, I want to tell you about something, and I kind of fought with myself about telling you, um, but I think you should know. And he basically tells her that it was Edith who wrote to the Turkish ambassador about the um, affair. And I just felt like, wow, after learning about that affair, he should probably hate her, and like, not want to tell her these things and, you know, not care about her enough. So, yeah. tell her. so I thought that it that was like really he felt very strong about making sure she knew he didn't tell. Yeah. Like, that he would never have done that. And yeah. also that she should know what that her sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it clearly Napier was quite a prize and she shouldn't have let him go. He seemed like mm-hmm. a sweet guy. It's too bad. He was like, I guess not a little too boring for Mary. She likes someone she can argue with. Yeah. I guess. Um, he didn't jump over the creek with the horse. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't show up at her room at midnight. Yeah. Asking her to visit lover. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That was really, it was like sweet. It was kind of like bittersweet because you're sort of like missed opportunity with this Napier guy who's really nice. And then also just it's so tragic that it's her own sister. Who, mm-hmm. 
yeah, um, who did this to her. But then Mary gets her revenge <laughs> yeah. at the end at the garden party because, like we were talking about, Edith is seeing this guy and he's like going to ask her a question at the party, and yeah. that's like so going to be a proposal. And what, Francesca? What does Mary do? Oh my god! So she plays it so well, and she's like, <laughs> oh, she's shows so- up to him, and she's he's like, "Where's your sister?" And she's like, "Oh, probably hiding from some old like drab man who's gonna propose to her." And, <laughs> oh yeah, she was joking about it all n- night or something, like you know, basically <laughs> saying that she, just, she takes takes him as a joke. Yeah, just like uh, oh, gotta she's go. so crushed. She's so crushed. <laughs> it's just it was so sad. It was just like. Ugh. And while well, you kind of you understand why she did that, but at the same time, it was hurting him too. Yeah, and now it's like her life is going to be miserable. And you know, there's kind of um, somebody on Twitter was talking about how there are Scarlett O'Hara comparisons here, like this idea that uh, Matthew is Scarlett's red Rhett Butler. You know, like um, that uh, if she he's not going to want her if, you know, he re- he realizes, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, if you take that hmm. comparison, remember what Scarlett does in order to get married to her sister's beau, and she pretends that the sister doesn't like doesn't like the guy and then moves in, like, because he had totally been in love with her sister. And she basically lies to him and says that the sister is, like, going to get married with some, to some other guy. Hmm. And then... I don't know. It, 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 there was a little bit of Scarlett O'Hara, like, machinations there to me, mm-hmm. a little bit. And I feel like if Mary doesn't curb her ways, you know, then she could end up alone. Well, yeah, I-, I think that they have a lot of conversations. She has a lot of conversations with several people about Matthew and if she doesn't accept his proposal What's going to happen? And if she does, what could happen? Yeah, let's talk about that because we haven't even established that Matthew and Mary in this episode, they get sort of closer and... There's kind of a a Pride and Prejudice moment. Yeah. (laughs) Where, you know, Pride and Prejudice, if you still feel the way you once felt, tell me at once and put (laughs) me out of my misery. (laughs) And it's kind of like reminding me exactly of that when he asked something about if she's still... Yeah, and they're, and like before that though, like they had been arguing a lot, and he says my favorite line, and he's like, if you really like an argument, we should see more of each other, which I thought yeah. was like, I was like, that's the best pickup he line ever. He starts getting really cute in this, in this, in this yeah. part, and he's like, and when, just when they're talking, and he does the whole like, don't play with me, and I don't know, I just really like the way that he is with her. I think yeah. he's like, you can tell he really likes her, but. And yeah, they're on the same level, kind of, and not like in a dumb way. Like he's he's a very smart man, mm-hmm. and you can tell, like he, you know, he he knows, like he's aware of the way she's playing, and you know what I mean. And yeah. but, but he is sort of amused by her too, and so I, he's not just like a dumb fool who's like falling for her tricks or anything. It's like um, and she. It does fess up to her mom that she loves him, but then... Yeah, okay, well, so we missed a step, Franny, because, okay, so they have this whole thing, and then they cut off, but first they kiss, 
Mm-hmm. They, they kiss, then they cut off, and then they have the conversation with the mom. And basically, we learn that he proposed, mm-hmm. but that happens off screen. Like, we didn't yeah. actually see the proposal, which was kind of annoying. Like, come on. You're just going to, like, <laughs> cut, cut off the screen and then just, like, like what? Yeah. Anyways. So, Cora's like, you know, like, uh, well, do you love him? And then Mary's, yes, I think I pr- perhaps I do. As, but I'd have to tell him about Pamuk. Because she feels like that would be, if she didn't, that would be lying. Mm-hmm. So then there's the idea where if she says yes, then she's going to have to, like, admit this thing. Yeah, and I think it just shows how much she really does care about him. Because obviously if she married anybody else, I don't think she would feel like she would have to tell them. But I think yeah. they have a really honest relationship. Yeah, I think, you know, I suppose like she has to reveal it. And I feel like, um, you know, if she was honest about it, that he would still take her, even with that having happened. Although, I don't know, p- people are weird in the these, yeah. People back then, it was like you're it was really or something. Yeah, so I don't know. But although he has more modern views of things, yeah. you know, so so yeah, I, I don't know. And so then, okay, let's talk about the Cora and Violet scene, scene where they make up because remember how they. They thought about the rumor, and Violet mm-hmm. was like sort of like ready to leave. But then mm-hmm. Violet comes, and she's like, "I come in peace," and um, and they sort of make some jokes about like, "We can't have him assassinated," um, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Like, and they're talking about the guy who's spreading the rumors. Um, and then she, Violet says this great line. Maggie Smith, she's like. She reads too many novels. Everyone goes down the aisle with half the story hidden. You know, like she's basically saying she should not tell Matthew about Pamuk. Right. Um, like everyone has, you know. Right. Right. And then, but then she also That's jokes. Cool. She also sort of, well, it's not a joke to her, but uh, she also says, you know, um, it's in moments like these, you can normally find an Italian who isn't too picky. <laughs> Which is funny. And and she comes around and says, you know, that basically because Mary is family, that, that trumps everything. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. you have sort of that coming back together with the Dowager Countess, and then then we start having all the council to what everyone says to Mary about whether she because she hasn't given Matthew an answer, and she goes to visit her aunt, Lady Rosamond, and she's all giving her this terrible advice of, you know, don't marry. Wait well, that's until... because we find out that her mom's pregnant. Yes, we'll talk about that. Okay, so the mom is pregnant, which is like I get it, really a shock because you know usually with a state like this, which is entailed, you know the couple would keep on trying to have a son, right? Yeah. And so clearly they weren't able to have a son all these years, and their youngest daughter is you know pretty old, and so she hasn't been pregnant for a long time. And yeah, I think it was pregnant. like eighteen years or something. Yeah, so she's pregnant. And so everyone, this throws everything up in the air now because Mm -hmm. she had already been proposed, Mary had already been proposed to before this happened. Then this gets revealed. And then it's like, okay, if it's a son, then uh, Matthew would no longer have Downton Abbey. He would just be a normal doctor. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lawyer. He would just be a lawyer and he would not have an estate or anything like that. So then it's like, that issue comes up, and so Rosamond tells her to just, like, wait it out and not to marry him unless he really has the um, the estate, mm-hmm. right? I don't remember what else she told her, but I think that's kind of what she told her, right? 
And so, and then we sort of have some, um, some hints too in, at this point about the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. So we're sort of getting the sense now that World War Two, or sorry, World War One is going to maybe start soon. And there's some talk about, about war. There's some talk about like po- the possibility. And then let's see. Oh yeah. So the other thing with Violet and, and Cora is that Violet, um, her maid is leaving to get married. And as she says, how could she be so selfish? <laughs> <laughs> and so she wants Cora to like help her find a maid, which becomes important later. And then also in the conversation is where she gives the line you were sort of hinting at before, Franny, um, where she says, I know these men of moral high ground. If she doesn't say yes when he might be poor, he won't want her when he may be rich. Mm-hmm. So, which I think was very good advice. Right. Um, and so there's... But at the same time, I think that with Mary's situation, because her grandmother did tell her to say yes, and then if it ends up being a boy... Re- she could always reject him. Yeah. And I think that Mary is just... She doesn't want to trick him. She doesn't want to be like... She does care about him, yeah. She doesn't want to be like, oh, I just have to say yes because otherwise he won't marry me later. Yeah. She's not just going to say yes just because he might not want her later. She wants to only say yes if she really... She has some uncertainty. Yeah. Um, So then... Are we to the end now? Where well, no. Well, we can we can go ahead and skip that part because we might as well like let's talk about that whole that whole love story. Then we'll move back to other stuff we go we missed. So later, so yeah, let's go to the end. What uh, what was your take on what happens between the two of them? I well, I just thought like it just shows how good they are together. I don't know. I just love them together. And yeah. They're very much she's like so, she's so like upset because she's basically told him no, and he's he's he seems so he's he's just such a good guy, and he's like okay, and he tells her that he's gonna be going somewhere, like leaving, and she's like, well, was that your plan the whole time? Were you ever gonna take this estate? And I just love the look he gives her, and he's like, no, of course not. I don't know. I just think they're so cute together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're very cute together. They're very, they're very cute together. And, you know, he finally, you know, things finally come to a pass when he finally sort of kind of gives her an ultimatum in a way. Like he says, I think this is black and white. Do you love me enough to spend the rest of your life with me? Because mm-hmm. they, they have some arguments about like, you know, she, she tells him she's completely transparent to him about yeah. the stuff everyone told her. And so you have to give her points for that, that she's, but, she doesn't seem willing to like make a decision. Make, yeah. She and doesn't know what her decision is. She doesn't is. know what her decision is. And so, you know, and he, and he takes this as just, she doesn't care enough. And so he, he needs to leave and he doesn't want to be there and suffer if she's around, you know, and so he's just going to go and, um, and there's still this uncertainty at this point about, about the air mm-hmm. too. And so, so this is not like the very end. This was sort of like the sort of end. 
I guess, in a way. But you sort of know they're going to get that together at some point, right? Because they're totally mm-hmm. meant for each other. And then the other stuff that's going on here is that Mrs. Padmore, the cook, has to go off to the eye doctor, which I think is another sign of how sweet Richard is. Like, he yeah. sends because she thinks she's going to get fired. Like, he's like, we want to talk to you. And she's all scared. Like yeah, I was wondering why she was so rude to the mom when she gave her the recipe. And she was like, no. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, she's been all, like, rude about stuff, and it turns out that she's, like, almost blind. Yeah. And so she can't try new recipes because she can't read them. <laughs> and so you sort of realize that it's come to a point where either she's going to get fired, but instead of getting fired, they're sending her off to an eye doctor to get her, eye, you know, to get glasses and stuff. Mm-hmm. So she gets sent off, and while that's going on, Daisy, this turns out, had been given instructions to sabotage <laughs> the new cooks, who's actually the cook of the Crawleys, uh, food, so that, like, it wouldn't taste as good because she didn't want them to fire her because the new cook was too good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then by the end, they reconcile because the head housekeeper is all, like, giving all instructions about, like, the way that they order things for the store cupboard, and the new cook is all like, oh, no, I don't take to that, you know? Like, you can't mm-hmm. just, you know... I'm the one who orders the stuff. And then when the she and the old cook, Miss Padmore, like, join forces yeah. to protect their rights in the kitchen against the other lady. And so then they become a team, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is sweet. So there is that little storyline going on. And then, okay, we have to get back to when they were taking Miss Padmore off to um, to London, you know, to get her eyes fixed and stuff, did you hear they kept on mentioning King's Cross? Maybe. Because I just made me think Harry Potter. Oh, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> remember, there's King's Cross, it's like a whole big thing. and Or is it King's Crossing? Or is it Cross? I think it's King's Cross. Oh, what? okay. You know my memory. I don't know. Now I'm second-guessing myself. Anyways, I thought of Harry Potter, but I think of that all the time. I always think of Harry Potter. Everything I'm watching, I'm like, oh, that's just like Harry Potter. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but what was I getting to? Okay, so I, I said, I mentioned before, Franny, that Violet needed a new maid. So she wanted Cora's help. So they, Cora is, like, advertising for a maid, and she mentions this. To O'Brien, O'Brien thinks that, like, O'Brien overhears it, and she thinks that the lady is trying to replace her. Mm-hmm. And so she gets all mad, and she and, you know, Thomas are, like, this black pit of, like, discontent, you know, and they're, like, feeding each other's phobias and stuff. And so she's all, like, thinking the lady's trying to replace her. And so then, later, she is getting a bath to the lady, and the um, Cora drops her soap. Yeah. And at first, like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, she drops the soap, and then O'Brien's, like, goes to pick it up. And you can just tell O'Brien's, like, so unhappy. Like, she's just got this look on her face. Like, she's so unhappy. And she goes over there because she thinks... she's already evil. She's already evil. And then she's like, thinks that she's been advertising for a replacement. And so she goes to go pick up the soap, but she only ha- hands her half of it, and she says, oh, the, re- the rest is under the tub. But what she does is she kicks it out so that it will be there for when Cora gets out of the tub. 
which when I saw oh. her do that, oh. I was I was like, oh, there's no way she's gonna step exactly on that soap, like as as as. Right, DJ right. says she was trying to be. I didn't think anything would really work, so I was kind of shocked. And that. you're kind of thinking, at first, you're kind of thinking, this can't really mean what what it might mean, because mm-hmm. what it does. But then it, you're like, gasp! It actually does, because yeah. what it does mean is that she ends up losing the baby, which yeah. is horrific and so terrible, and just Robert is so is sobbing and yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was just very tragic. So then now we're sort of back in the same position that we were at the beginning of the series where Matthew was the heir again. Mm-hmm. And then Mary's already said no. And Mary and him have already <laughs> broken up. Like they've already, yeah. I mean, well, basically she said, I don't know. And so Matthew said, well, then no. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, then no. Um, yeah. so, so you just, it's all just very tragic. And then is when they have the garden party and, uh, Mary chases away Edith Souter and, mm-hmm. uh, and Mary cries on the butler's shoulder. She and Mr. Carson. Yeah, that was nice. Really and she's true. his favorite. And then, well, the other thing that happens is Thomas, has been doing all these machinations behind the scene, and he's ended up joining the military. Mm-hmm. And then, and he gives in his notice, and they were like going to have to fire him, but they were yeah. waiting until after the garden party. And so then, <laughs> uh, Robert gets a telegram that says there's war. With, and he announces to everybody, "We're at war with Germany." Dun dun dun. Okay, mm-hmm. World War One is like about to start, and so bonus, Thomas is going to die. <laughs> that was like <laughs> my first thought um but of course it's tragic and terrible because many other people die in world war one and i'm not condoning you know the death of innocent people but uh, <laughs> if thomas is one of those people i'm not gonna cry <laughs> so there we have it i just thought the finale was so great I had a wife oh, yeah. who um, was like a liar and a thief. What he's fessing up to is basically her. Okay. Right? Yeah. Well, I was like kind of confused about that whole thing. I know that he was married. We got revealed. His mom is like a seamstress and he, he had been a, like a drunk. What happened is he was in jail, right? But he didn't, he confess. He confessed to his wife's crime. Yeah, he confessed to his wife's crime, so it wasn't yeah. his real cr- crime. Yeah. So that, he says that he's no. a liar and a thief, but really, really, it was his wife who was the thief. Okay. Yeah. But he was a drunkard before. Right. He's a recovering alcoholic. And so he alcoholic. feels guilty about his wife for his like maybe that it was his fault. Right. Right. Kind of like the Jean Valjean thing, you know? You had to steal bread to live, kind of mm. something. I don't know. I can't. I I don't remember all the details of that, but yeah. So. I mean, I knew there was going to be something revealed that it wouldn't, that Bates, you know, was covering for someone else because yeah. he's just such a good guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know. I don't know if he and, what is the blonde's maid's name that has a crush on him? I can't remember. But you kind of just hope that maybe they have some kind of future because she clearly yeah. really loves him. Yeah. So, and now I don't know if I've told you, Franny, but there's going to be a second season. So... We're going to get to see more. So we'll, you know, 
anything yeah. could happen. Anything could happen. So, so when is the second season gonna? In uh, fall this year, it's happening in in England. They're gonna show it like on BBC or whatever, and mm. then it's gonna come to uh, PBS in 2012. Oh, okay. In winter of 2012, so like basically in one year. Oh, okay. It'll be here, but it's actually showing this fall. Like if you're, um, you know, if you're not American, you might be able to see it on, you know, mm-hmm. that. Or if you get, I don't know what channel it plays on in, uh, mm. in England, but if you get that channel. So yeah, and and I mean, actually, the DVDs for season one were out at about the same time that the masterpiece was being shown on PBS. So they might do the same thing. Like it'll come out in DVD mm. around the same time too. So if people want to see that. So yeah, basically, as you can tell, we really liked it. Um, what it? Any final thoughts? I'm just sad that we have to wait a whole year. I know, so. I know. I felt like <laughs> I felt like so much stuff happened in that last hour, and yeah. bam, 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 and you're just like, no, don't end. I, I want to like because you really get to know these characters, and you just like care about them, and you want to find out more about their lives, and mm-hmm. you want Matthew and Mary to end up happy together. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll just have to be patient, even though it's really hard. And uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm excited for more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback, go ahead and email me at herointv at gmail.com. And uh, hopefully, Francesca and I will be back on a more regular basis. We've already done uh, one podcast in one week and then the next week another podcast so we're getting on a roll (laughs) (laughs) but we'll see how long that lasts (laughs) (laughs) so thank you for listening and thanks for co-hosting Francesca I will talk to you later